finding suitable mental health medications can be a challenge. The GeneSight test may help. Did you know that genetics can play an important role in gaining insight on how a person may respond to various medications? Understanding this may help reduce medication trial and error. GeneSight is a genetic test that analyzes variations in DNA. It shows how genes may affect someone's metabolism or response to medications commonly prescribed to treat depression, anxiety, and other mental health conditions. Visit GeneSight.com for more information. This is The Jerry Callahan Show. Man, that was tough. That was tough. Nobody said this job was going to be easy, Ironhead. Uh, We just tried our best to compile a uh, top 10 list of Joe Biden lies, Joe Biden tall tales, because he added to the list yesterday in his uh, appearance at the White House, which, by the way, was a little concerning. He just had like 17 weeks vacation. He's never looked more tired and confused. I'm just going to say, I don't think he re-energized after his month-long vacation on the beach. We got some of the highlights and lowlights of his appearance, announcing that uh, 43 million deadbeats won't have to pay their bills anymore. And I have a question, a serious question. I keep seeing, I keep hearing people say this was a a political move designed to buy votes ahead of the midterms and ahead of 2024. I don't, I don't get it. I don't agree with it. I don't see it. I'm trying to figure out one person who wasn't already a Biden supporter uh, uh, who, who is, who has been persuaded because of this big wet kiss that he gave them with the uh, taxpayers money. I'll uh, we can go over that in some of the, uh, some of the other stuff from yesterday's uh, disastrous uh, appearance by the president in uh, in the White House. Uh, also, um, the, the city council in Uvalde, Texas, is rushing into things. I don't, I don't know why they can't take a little time to think about this. They fired police chief, the, the, the bloated slug, uh, Pete Arredondo. They finally fired him three months to the day that he cowered in the corner as a crazed gunman murdered 19 kids and two teachers. We'll get into that, give you some of the reaction out of Avaldi. Uh, some real good, vicious takedown yesterday. Ron DeSantis on Dr. Fauci. Alex Stein going after, going all in on his feud with Dave Portnoy. Um, Charlie Crist replaces. One day it took. John Fetterman was the worst political candidate ever. That lasted one day. Charlie Crist in Florida replaced him. I'm going to say something nice about Meghan Markle today. And Sly Stallone, Sylvester Stallone, had what I will describe as the greatest divorce reveal. You've heard of uh, gender reveals? This is a divorce reveal from uh, Sly Stallone a couple of days ago. And I have to say, it's amazing. We have the uh, story and the pictures I will explain. I'll get into that and a lot more on today's Callahan Show brought to you by Nugenics. 
Hey guys, let me ask you, are you getting up there in age and feel like you can't get in shape anymore? It's not your fault. As men age, our bodies naturally lose free testosterone, the man hormone. It happens to every man and can make it more difficult to stay in shape and be energetic and active. You want more energy to counter the negative physical effects of aging? Well, Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster with Testofen will help you turn back the clock, re-energize your workouts, get better results in the gym, and help you look and feel like the man you really want to be. While every product professes quality, many other products use generic ingredients that are often far less than clinical grade. With Nugenics Total T, you get the same clinical potency levels used in the trials. And Nugenics's formula is backed by 10 years of science and research. Re-energize your life and help get back that winning edge you had in your youth. You can get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea when you text Jerry to 231-231. Text now and get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever. Text Jerry to 231-231. Message and data rate supply terms available at nugenics.com slash terms. I had so much, so much to, t- uh, to, to say about this uh, uh, appearance by our president, our feeble, empty husk of a president yesterday at the White House. Uh, I guess the first thing to say is I can see, again, why they keep him in hiding. I can see why he spent seven and a half months on vacation in his first 19 months in office. He does... It, 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 he steps in front of the camera, steps in front of the mic, and immediately you wonder, how is he ever going to last two and a half more years? How is that even possible? I think the answer is he's not. I think we're looking at Kamala Harris as our 47th president at some point in the next year or two. Uh, but yesterday's appearance uh, to, to tout the, the uh, student loan forgiveness or cancellation which is just obscene in itself. It's not canceled. It's transferred from the haves to the have nots. As we went over yesterday, it'll affect 43 million people, 20 million. It'll wipe out their whole student debt, a debt that they agreed to pay. And now they don't have to. Now the people who made the right decision did the right thing, have to pick up the tabs for the people who were reckless and stupid. That's how it works. And I, I've asked this for a while now. Why? Why do you do this? What does it help? How does it help your 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 uh, your popularity, your your political fortunes? And I keep seeing people over and over again say he's buying votes. He's trying to get these people. He's giving them ten thousand dollars, and now they will vote for him. And I have to ask, who are these people that were on the fence or were supporters of? Trump or DeSantis, who are now Biden supporters. This is, again, a big kiss, big wet kiss to deadbeats with graduate degrees. As we mentioned, 56% of people with student debt have graduate degrees. It's uh, generally middle, uh, generally upper class people who went to expensive schools and didn't work nights and didn't work on the weekends and just took out big loans. And now they don't have now because they got a degree in anthropology they don't have a good job. They don't want to pay it back. And now Biden says, that's good. You don't have to pay it back. He, the only people pushing for this were the radical lefties, Ayanna Presley. By the way, she did an appearance yesterday with Elon Omar and Ayanna Presley talking about how great this is because it's racial justice, which I don't even get. But anyway, nobody, no normal person, no sane person, no working person supports this. 
So whose vote did you buy? The deadbeat with the, you know, with the art history degree from Wesleyan? I'm pretty sure he was already in your corner, Joe Biden. I'm pretty sure that is the prototype of the Biden voter, the, 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 the upper middle class, priv- middle upper class privilege puke uh, who doesn't have a job and doesn't want to pay his bills. That's a Biden voter right there. That was that person was never going to vote against Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or Pete Buttigieg or any of them. So how does that, how does that help? I don't get it. The other person it serves, the other person it benefits is the, is big college and college administrators and people who work at, at universities or don't work making, you know, hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I've talked about this before, but the bloated bureaucracies at these colleges will just blow your mind. These, these colleges have thousands of deputy vice uh, provosts and deans and everything else there. I believe, I believe every school now has this big bloated department of equity, diversity and inclusion. It's kind of a thing now. I saw a story where the University of Michigan spends $10 million a year on their diversity department. That's a public school. That's typical. All these schools spend millions and millions, uh, you know, forcing diversity, equity, inclusion. And every one of the people who works there supports Biden. 90-something percent of college administrators support Biden. That's who they donate to. That's who they, they vote for. They're getting they're getting a big windfall here. They have big endowments and big uh, slush funds. They're, they're they're floating, swimming, drowning in cash, and now they don't they're not held responsible at all for the scam they're running on kids. I mean, if I'm going to be at all sympathetic to the kids with debt, it's because they were lied to. They were told when they were 18, you get a college degree, you'll be set for life. If you have to take out some debt, don't worry about it. You'll get a job. You'll be able to pay it back. And it doesn't work that way for a lot of kids, particularly liberal arts majors and and and, and, and art art history and gender studies uh, uh, majors. I mean, they were scammed. There's no question. They were scammed. Big college is a scam. And here's how it works. They, they, they give their money, their donations, their support to Democrats. And then when it gets to this point, the Democrats make the taxpayers pay the pay the tab, the taxpayers who did the right thing, who got a job, who joined the military, they have to pay the tab and people like Harvard university with 54 billion uh, with an endowment over 50 billion, they don't, they're not held responsible at all. So the scam keeps going. The people who are thinking about going to these schools now are going, I'll take out loans because maybe someday I'll get a job and pay it back. Or maybe the Democrats will just wave the wand and make it go away. Uh, I I can't imagine anybody paying their student loan now, knowing there's a chance uh, Biden will do this again, or Kamala will do this again, or whoever the next Democrat will do it again. And I won't have to pay. It's just, and and there's, there's absolutely no reason the government should be even be in this business to begin with, it should be handled by the banks and private industry, by private sector. But no, the government's in the business. And I guess now we see why they can use that money to allegedly buy votes. I just saw this number it's, it, and it pretty much tells you why all the people pushing for this don't say a word about the schools, the colleges, the college administrators who are their biggest supporters, who are benefiting the most from this. 
and will continue to jack up the prices. Tuition just goes, tuition increases like, like fivefold over inflation because they can do it. It's they're not subject to the rules of the free market. They just jack up the prices. The government guarantees these loans and then you don't have to pay them back if you don't want to great deal. But the, uh, education, uh, higher ed donations from higher education, that would be college professors and college administrators. They gave 64 million to Joe Biden in the 2020 election. They gave 17 million to Bernie Sanders, a senator from the little state of Vermont. They gave $11 million to Liz Warren. That doesn't include the 400,000 she made to teach one class at Harvard. So they are beholden to the college, big college, the industry of, of, of college and universities. That's how the scam works. They keep bringing in the dough, building big buildings. Their endowment gets bigger and fatter. They all make, couple of hundred thousand dollars to barely work. And if, you know, if um, anyone calls them out and I guess it'd be people on the right conservatives, they just laugh and say, our guy, Joe Biden will take care of us. And he will. And the scam just keeps going on and on. If we're going to fix this, if we, if we don't want it to happen again, someone has to call out this cycle of, of, of fraud in the big university industry. But they won't. At least the Democrats won't. They loved this. And uh, yesterday, they just lied. They just lied. I mean, man, Peter Ducey's asking Corinne Jean-Pierre about who's going to pay for this. And she won't answer. It's Obviously, it's the truck driver, the waiter, the, the plumber. They got to pay the tab for this. People that did the right thing didn't go have a you know five-year party uh, at uh, some small private school and, 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 and then turn around and say... I'm not paying, not me. Let the let the government pay for it. Uh, a couple of interesting notes from yesterday. I just I love this. There's at least 12 people on Biden's staff who will benefit from this. <laughs> Guys, these are some of the these are these are yeah, some of the people whose votes he's buying. People who work for him are going to benefit from this. He used, we know Nancy Pelosi said last year that the president couldn't do this. That it's unconstitutional. She flipped, but Lots of people agree this is unconstitutional, but he used a a, a, a provision which was uh, passed in 2003, I believe. It's for wartime. It's for a national emergency, like when a soldier is in the battlefield. It was done when we had people fighting in Afghanistan and Iraq, and then you could forgive their debt or delay their debt because they're fighting for the country, risking their lives. He used this provision under the guise of a national emergency because of the pandemic, which everybody agrees is pretty much over, including the White House. But whatever it takes, I, I again, it's one of those deals where you say, can you imagine if Donald Trump did anything remotely like this? If he said, we're going to forgive debt from, you know, some private sector industry, some car loans, we'll forgive car, truckers, we'll all truckers who have big payments to pay off their trucks because of the emergency. We're just going to wave the wand and they don't have to pay the government. The taxpayers will pay all the loans for truckers. What would the media be doing right now? They'd be screaming fascism and unconstitutional and illegal, but he did it for, for them, for their people. I mean, I, I'm probably half of the staff at MSNBC and the New York times are going to get 10 grand handed to them by the president. It's just obscene. 
you want to see obscene? <laughs> I tweeted, I know everyone talked about this already, but it's, it, this is priceless. I mean, we've spent a couple of days talking about this. This thing crystallizes it. Lawrence Tribe, law professor, absolute lunatic moonbat, law professor at Harvard, tweeted out his support of this. And it's, I mean, you have to spend a, you have to stop a second and think about it to really appreciate the, the absolute insanity of this. This is, again, a law professor from Harvard. The thing passes, Biden takes his bow and tribe uh, tweets, good news for thousands of my former students. I'm grateful on their behalf, Mr. President. Okay. He, again, teaches law at Harvard. His former students have law degrees from Harvard. And he's saying, great news for them. (laughs) The marginalized, oppressed people who went to Harvard Law School. That's That's who's winning here. That's who Biden is taking care of here. Harvard Law grads will now get $10,000 free money from the taxpayers. How could anybody support such a perverse uh, measure? Think of that. These are alleged, Democrats are alleged, you know, champions of the working class, or they used to be. Joe Biden was Scranton Joe, Amtrak Joe, <laughs> and now he's, he's handing a gift to Harvard Law grads. And the guy who's who's picking up your garbage has to pick up the tab. The whole thing is, it's not just wrong. It's not just unfair. It is obscene and everybody knows it. Um, I don't even know where to begin from yesterday's highlights. It was just, I mean, it was just another disastrous appearance. I understand why Dr. Jill and Susan Rice and Ron Klain keep this feeble husk of a man hidden in Delaware or hidden in the white house. I understand why he hasn't done a sit down Q and a, with a reporter since February, he can't do it. He's incapable. He's not this, he's just not there. There's nothing there anymore. So he makes this appearance. Um, what do we got? We got, uh, we got the, we got the lie. We're going to get to the lie, the story, the tall tale, which is, which is amazing. And we got him being accosted at the end where he asks, uh, where he's asked if this is fair it's the best question. It's the only question. And he tries to avoid it, but he can't because he's so stubborn and he's just so cranky. Why don't we start with that one, Ironhead? As he finishes up telling, you know, telling all the Harvard Law grads that he's got their back and telling all the working people that they're, you know, they're as usual going to have to pay the tab here. So he tries to make his getaway. By the way, he, he comes out to start this press conference, takes the mask off and starts coughing in his hand. Class. Again, how, how long does it take to understand the, you know, the, the process, the protocol when you're COVID, you know, recovering from COVID and your wife has COVID that you don't, you don't take the mask off to cough and you don't cough in your hand and start shaking people's hands. God, is he clueless? But anyway, we'll start at the end. This is the end of the press conference where he's leaving. And we'll just watch how this, this feeble mind works. He can't handle uh, criticism. He's very thin skinned. He's not used to it because the media normally is there to give him a foot massage, but someone has the guts. It's not Peter Ducey, by the way, it's a woman who has the guts to say, isn't this unfair to people who did the right thing? Listen to his response. I'll try to interpret it afterwards, but just try 
to make sense of his response. Go ahead. Is this unfair to people who paid their student loans or chose not to take out loans? Is it fair to people who, in fact, uh, do not own multi-billion dollar businesses and she want these guys to get them all attached Is that fair? What do you think? What about people who paid their loans? So- He's such a dickhead. <laughs> what the hell is that? Is it fair? To people who don't own multi-million dollar businesses to see people give them tax breaks. What, what, what the hell is he talking about? I mean, <laughs> that's, that's who is making these, these monumental decisions for the country. That shuffling, mumbling, feeble man. It's, it's, it's uncomfortable to watch, but that wasn't the most uncomfortable moment. There were many uncomfortable moments in this brief appearance there's not even any questions involved here when he starts talking about how, for, first of all, as I've said many times, the tell with Biden, how you know he's lying. I mean, I mean the old joke is, you know, whatever he, uh, his lips are moving, he's talking, he's usually lying. But when he starts talking about his mother or father, it, immediately the wheels are turning through the cobwebs of his mind and he's just making things up. And it was never more apparent than yesterday when he just goes off on this tangent about how, you know, he couldn't, they couldn't afford college, which is a lie. He was upper middle class. He was from a fairly wealthy family. They, they, they weren't in Scranton. They were Delaware and uh, they, they, they weren't poor. They weren't sitting around the kitchen table trying to figure out which bills to pay. That's a lie. He just told that one like a week ago or two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But this one is priceless when he just starts rambling about how he didn't know or his father told him he uh, didn't know if they had the money, you know, to send him to college. Maybe his father was thinking, this kid's so dumb. He should be in college. <laughs> he should be, he should be uh, in the coal mines. But if you're, again, we think, we say this all the time, but if you're one of his people, his handlers, his visiting angels, if you're Jill or Klain or Rice, you are sitting in there behind the scenes going, stop, Joe, don't do it. No one believes you. This isn't true. This is stupid. But let's listen to the latest whopper from our uh, feeble-minded commander-in-chief. Go ahead. My dad's greatest regret was that he never got to go to college. And my dad was a very well-read man, particularly history. And uh, um, But it was a great regret. And I always say, Joe, you're going to be a college man. And I say, Dad, but how, what, what does that matter? I mean, you can still get fired if you're a college man. He says, yeah, but they can never take it away from you. They can never take your education away. And I remember my senior year, I got into uh, one of the little Ivies, and I got into a number of schools, and we're trying to get the money, even with financial assistance, to be able to go there. We had four kids, all of, uh, all of us wanted to go to school. And... Um, and I remember going down after a baseball game. I went, went to a really good school up in Claymont, Delaware, on the Pennsylvania border, and uh, drove down to Newark, Delaware. My dad worked at an automobile agency. And I walked in, and I had my spikes, and because the reason I was going down, when your dad works at an automobile agency, the great advantage, you get a new car to go to the prom, or a good used car off the lot. You think I'm joking? I'm not joking. And so I went down to my 51 Plymouth That's uh, how you with know. Uh, beach towels for seat covers. And uh, I had my uniform on, my spikes off. I ran in, and the woman whose name was Mary who ran the place, I said, Mary, where's Dad? She said, he's out in the lane going into the, in the repair shop. 
Give him my word, true story. And my dad true was story. a well-dressed, fine not fella. A true story. No, it's not. I walked out, and my dad was pacing back and forth between the big garage door going into the into the uh, repair shop and, and the door going out of the showroom. And he looked up. He said, "Oh, Joey, honey, I'm so sorry, honey." I'm so sorry. I thought, God, something happened. This is before cell phones. So something happened to one of my brothers or my sister or my mom or something. I said, what's the matter, Dad? He said, I went to see. The guy's name was Charlie Delcher, who was a vice president Charlie. of the Farmers Bank, which was a state-owned bank that did a lot of the financing of people wanting to purchase a car. He said, I went to Charlie and asked to borrow the money. He said, he won't lend it to me. Charlie Delcher just makes up names, makes up scenes. You're standing between the garage and this and that, and just completely making it up. And everybody knows it. Not nobody, his wife, his kids, they know he's just making this up. First of all, they had the money. Yeah. Secondly, what's an automobile agency anyway? I was wondering that. It's like, is that, is he talking about a rental car agency or a car dealer? I thought his father was a car dealer, well off, affluent. I mean, the whole, uh, Scranton Joe, working class Joe, is all made up. And he thinks this kind of affirms it when he babbles on about how they didn't have the money to send the kids to college. All 100% made up. The whole country is focused on this story, on this giveaway. It's going to cost the taxpayers 300 and something billion. If it happens again, it, it, it'll, it'll double. It'll, I mean, Ayanna Presley wants to blow trillions on this big giveaway. And he's rambling about Charlie Delcher and Mary and, and, you know, wearing his spikes and the seat covers on his Plymouth towels as seat covers. What the hell does that even mean? My favorite part seat covers. Yeah. My favorite part of these stories is he's in his head. You can tell he's like, all right, the more details I say, the less they'll look right, into right, it. Right, right. <laughs> and, and, and the dead giveaways, as I say, every time there are two dead giveaways when he says, I'm not joking. And when he says true story, those that that can be that, that confirms that it, he is not telling a true story. He is lying. Anyway, that was that was hilarious. I was watching it live going, man, will this end? Will this ever end this story? The whole country's watching focus on this, trying to get the details. All the reporters are trying to get the numbers. And is it constitutional? And will it raise inflation? The question, the answers are no and yes. But. Instead, we're rambling about about Charlie Delcher at State Farm Bank and how he wouldn't give his father a loan. Just completely 100% fabricated. Hilarious. So anyway, uh, a guy, a guy, uh, a writer out of New York, David Marcus, pretty well known. He's good. Uh, He comes up uh, this morning. He tweets out the top five Joe Biden stories and he puts the college loan at the top, which I guess is newest. And it was pretty good. And then he's got Adventures with Corn Pop, which is a pretty famous one. How he, you know, Corn Pop was a bad dude. Corn Just Pop was a bad mad. dude. He ran There's a bunch nobody of bad named, boys. <laughs> nobody named Corn Pop, and everyone knows it. He's got Driving the Big Rigs. We did that a couple months ago when he talked about it. He used to drive an 18-wheeler when he was at some appearance. <clears throat> and everyone's like, you, you did not. I mean, it's like dealing with a like a, like a kid, a, sick, a first grader who starts talking about, yeah, you know, my father is, is an airline pilot. Just making things up just to get attention. 
Uh, everyone knows kids like that, but this is an 80 year old man doing it. Uh, driving the big rigs. How about this is, this is a great one. Dad and I saw two men kissing another one. As soon as you see dad, you know, it's made up. It was like 1948, no, 19, uh, you know, 56. And he saw two men kissing and he said, dad, look at that. And his father said, Hey, that's just love, Joey, two men in love, nothing wrong with that. All right. His father, an Irish Catholic, you know, hardworking <laughs> blue collar guy looked at two men kissing in 1956 and said, there's nothing wrong with that, Joey. That could be the most brazen lie, most obvious lie. Uh, he's got the compliments from a deceased Amtrak conductor. That's another one, which was disproven. The guy died before Joe Biden claimed that he met him on the train. And the guy said, Joey, how you doing? And the guy was dead for 10 years, just completely made up. But so I started thinking about that and said, this is, this is a very incomplete list. Nice job by uh, David Marcus. But uh, I added one of my favorites. And, you know, we talked about this before we uh, started the show. The funniest and silliest and most insane has to be I had hairy legs by the pool and the kids mm -hmm. like to touch them. Yeah. Um, when you're a uh, credibly accused uh, pervert who like to sniff little girl's hair and shower with his daughter, I don't think you want to go here. But this one is just off the wall. It's it's my that, per favorite? that was your favorite. It's my personal favorite because he just comes out and says he's a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> lets kids molest his legs. It's really strange. Listen, listen to this and keep in mind, this was before he got elected president. So people listen to this, watch this. I mean, look at him. He just looks like he shouldn't be hanging around the playground. Uh, and they voted for this. They voted for this man after hearing this story. Go ahead. And by the way, you know, I sit on the stand and it get hot. I got a lot of, I got hairy legs that turn that 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 turn uh, um, blonde in the sun and the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down so it was straight and then watch the hair come back up again they look at it so i learned about roaches i learned about kids jumping on my lap <laughs> oh wait can you let it play the next line is i love kids and i love on my kids jumping oh yeah <laughs> I love kids jumping on my jumping lap. Jumping on my lap. And I love kids jumping on my lap. And I love kids jumping on my lap. <laughs> that guy got 81 million votes. That is amazing. Before the election. Jumping on my lap. Before the election. How did this happen? What a bizarre time in American history. We and we elected a a man who's in cognitive decline, who is in the throes of dementia, who's bragging that kids would rub his leg and he'd sit on his lap, who used the FBI to go after James O'Keefe, who was in possession of, uh, of his daughter's diary, his daughter who wrote in her diary that she showered with her father, in parentheses, probably inappropriate. That guy got 81 million votes, just bizarre. But I have, I still have another favorite because it's just so ridiculous. And it's amazing that we, you know, the, the, we, we uh, as soon as we talk about this, as soon as I tweet about it, you get a bunch of people say, what about Trump? He lied about his uh, golf score or he lied about the size of a crowd. And yeah, he exaggerated and, and he's a legendary cheater on the golf course. I understand that. But 
I mean, he was called out. He'd be called out on stuff like that. The the size of the crowd was a huge story for days in the mainstream media. Oh, he lied about the size of the crowd at the inauguration. Well, the crowd wasn't that big because Antifa was roaming the streets, beating people up and burning cars. I was there. I saw it. Anyway, imagine if Trump told this story, that he was arrested in South Africa trying to go visit Nelson Mandela. <laughs> what? Not once, but twice. <laughs> and how do you make, this should have been the story for days, that the man is a serial liar who has no, no hesitation when he starts telling a story. Listen to this insane story and ask why everyone doesn't uh, you know, know it, know about it. It's just, it's just can, kind of memory hold, but it's just so nuts. Go ahead. This day... 30 years ago, Nelson Mandela walked out of prison and entered into discussions about apartheid. I had the great honor of meeting him. I had the great honor of being arrested with our UN ambassador on the streets of Soweto trying to get to see him on Robbins Island. I came back from South Africa trying to see Nelson Mandela and getting arrested for trying to see him on Robbins Island. He was in prison. But tonight, the <laughs> New York... <laughs> By the way, he tells another story. I think it was with uh, Colbert or maybe Kimmel or one of those hacks about getting arrested when he was in high school because he went into the Senate chambers on a field trip. He walked down and he was like behind the, the big desk there, the podium, and the cops, the Capitol cops arrested him. Just co- totally made up. And I forget who it was. I was saying it was Kimmel. Just say, oh, that's great. You got arrested. Uh, and he just, they, they don't care. They understand. He's a fabulist and it doesn't seem to bother anybody, but all right, that's a tough list. That's a tough, we just came up with about 10. I'm going to guess by the time he's done a year from now, that list will be, have about 50 because he just can't help himself. I'll say this again, when you were in politics for 50 years and you know nothing but support from the media when they do nothing but lick your feet and, and, and uh, praise you and support you and help you, you get too comfortable you get too comfortable. You don't ever expect anything out of adversarial. You don't ever expect the tough question. That's why they hate Peter Ducey. Uh, and you think you can just tell lies, exaggerate, make stuff up. You could say you're an Indian. If you're in Liz Warren, the Boston Globe will say, oh yeah, she's an Indian. You just get comfortable when the media is always there to have your back. That's Joe Biden. He's been, been in DC for 50 years. And for the most part, the media has always had his back. So he knows, or he thinks he can just tell these tall tales and they will not call him out. But we're here for that. We're here for that. I mean, and he tells funny lies too, aren't they? I mean, those are funny <laughs> lies. Silly, ridiculous lies. It's like but, every detail. Oh, he'll like, man. he gets to the detail, like down to the color of his dad's shoelaces. And like, we don't care, Joe. <laughs> By the way, the biggest lie ever is that I never talked to Hunter about his business deals. Oh, yeah. That, uh, everyone knows that was a lie. And it's just one of those lies where he thinks he can tell and get away. Oh, by the way, do you have... Yesterday's big lie. This was this is almost funny. I, I mean, it's just so it's when uh, we already know that Joe Biden knew everything about the raid on tr- uh, Trump's home. We know he knew in April they they were planning this. He knew they were investigating this. He knew his pit bull of a uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland was going to do this. Uh, John Solomon reported it. We mentioned it uh, the other day. Uh, so he's asked about it by Peter Ducey. Uh, how much advanced knowledge and he does zero nothing zero i mean i guess i'll give him credit he lies with conviction he didn't hesitate and say well 
you know, it's, it's complicated. He just said, I knew nothing. It's, it's almost as laughable a lie as that he never talked to Hunter about his business dealings, but do we, do we have that one at the end or the, at the press? I mean, only took a couple of questions, but uh, uh, I think I, uh, I think I said to you when he says, I didn't see, you, uh, I didn't see that one. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah. Zero. Uh, he definitely knew he definitely, you're not going to raid the president's house without the current president's friggin' approval. That's just not going to happen. Of course, of course. I mean, everyone, I mean, that's one of those things is you, you really want to lie about something so obvious, but uh, anyway, we'll, uh, we'll get to, uh, we got so much more to get to. Arredondo got fired. Finally. Uh, we'll get to the details on that and a lot more, but uh, I have it first. All right. Wait, wait, wait. We'll wait. We'll, we'll wait to get to our second sponsor here, but first this is yesterday. <laughs> Peter Ducey asking how much he knew about the raid. I, I, I wish there were like a lie me, like a lie detector and have like the thing bing, you know, go ringing bells or alarms going off when he make, when he clearly lies, but go ahead. Peter Ducey asks a big, a, an obvious question. And Joe Biden does not hesitate to lie to his face. Go ahead. How much advance notice did you have of the FBI's plan to search Mar-a-Lago? I didn't have any advance notice. None. Zero. Not one single bit. Thank you. <laughs> Everybody knows that's not true. But no. Whatever. Whatever. All right. Let's uh, let's move on. Let's get to uh, Valdi. Let's get to uh, Portnoy versus Alex Stein, which uh, I'm here for, and uh, a bunch more stuff. But first, today's show is brought to you by In the Wild from Narrative FM. Raging rivers, hungry bears, drastic avalanches, roaring seas, no matter how prepared you are, a walk in the woods can go from innocent to disastrous in the blink of an eye. Join In the Wild as they visit the most heroic, gruesome, terrifying, and phenomenal stories of real people who survived the unsurvivable. Learn what went wrong, what went right, and how you can make it out alive if the worst case scenario ever happens to you. Each episode is between five and 15 minutes long. So this is a great podcast to consume if you're short on time. Just search in the wild wherever you get your podcasts. I uh, quickly, oh, you know what? I want to get to Santos on the evil elf too, but uh, this broke yesterday and it's, it, it just, it's, it, it was inevitable, but it's still maddening. It's still frustrating. Uh, the Ovalde uh, School Board, this is from uh, Daily Wire, Ovalde School Board voted unanimously Wednesday to immediately fire Police Chief Pete Arredondo, immediately, <laughs> over the disastrous response to the shooting at Rob Elementary that resulted in the death of 19 children and two teachers. Disgraced Chief refused to attend the meeting because he said he was scared for his safety. Really? Oh, I wonder what that's uh, like. Yeah, you know, this. <laughs> we know, we know what he does when he's scared. He hides. Uh, uh, Arredondo's attorney, George Hyde, in a statement said, Chief Arredondo will not participate in his own illegal and unconstitutional public lynching and respectfully request the board immediately reinstate him with all back pay and benefits and wow. close the complaint as unfounded. God, how can you do? I mean, oh, no, that is disgusting. Can't the guy just accept that he's not, he's going to lose this job and, and maybe lay low and hope to stay free because he should be arrested. He should go to prison. He should die in prison. He let 19 kids and two teachers 
died because he was scared and he was stupid and he was incompetent. How, how did it take three months, three full months to fire this bum? I mean, it's, it's amazing. There's a bunch of parents and grandparents at the meeting talking to the media and, and saying, you know, it's about time. Uh, it goes through the whole thing where, he, where he's talking to the shooter saying, this can be peaceful. Let me know if there's any kids there or anything said to the shooter. Uh, <laughs> uh, when he was attempting to negotiate with Salvatore, he was attempting to negotiate with a school shooter who was clearly going to die and, you know, blaze of glory here. Uh, I mean, and this is what he said after <clears throat> when we were all talking about it and trying to figure out why these cops were such cowards. He said, not a single responding officer ever hesitated even for a moment to put themselves at risk to save the children. <laughs> what the hell? You forget what an incompetent coward. I mean, what a hack. He was, he was elected to the city council too, which he, uh, uh, I believe he resigned before they kicked him off. But it was like the next day. This, wasn't isn't good it? Enough. this isn't good enough. We need to see handcuffs, leg irons, an orange jumpsuit. This slob, this bloated, incompetent coward needs to go to prison and go to prison for a good long time. Kids are dead because he was afraid, afraid for his safety. Afraid. Who are we looking at? Is this the grandfather? This is uh, a parent. Yeah. The parents reacting. Parents and grandparents, I believe this is a grandfather who were at the meeting and uh, got, you know, obviously got the first step, got what they wanted, got him fired. Uh, don't they have to fire a bunch more cops? I mean, don't they have to fire some of the people hiding around the corner while the bullets were flying? I mean, they, these people are incompetent. They're scared. They're, they're not fit to do the job. And how do they show up at their school police officers? That's their job. And they wouldn't save kids from a school shooter children, second, third graders, how do they show up at work the next day? How do they not get fired? I don't get it, but let's listen to some of the reaction from the parents and grandparents after Arredondo got the ax. Uh, the outcome of the meeting, we got bittersweet victory, and it was good. But like, like I said, the, the fight has just begun. We got other people. We got other things we got to take care of. We got to clean the city up for the people and about the people. And like I said, the buddy system doesn't work here no more. He's been dragging it on for three months, and there's just really no reason. Just, dude, accountability, you know, stand up, own it, and yeah. you see what it is, so let's go on and move away so someone else can do this job. We're trying to, to get for the board and, and Dr. Harrow to be truthful with this. And it's hard, it's hard, it's hard, to, it's hard to move forward. If we feel like they're not being forthcoming. I think from very early on, the Department of Public Safety was setting up a scapegoat in Pete Arredondo. I absolutely believe that Pete Arredondo was responsible for a lot of the things that went wrong here, but so was DPS, so was the sheriffs, the police. They were walking around like it was a Sunday afternoon with no sense of urgency. Fire them all. Let's make it simple. Fire them all, hire a whole new police force. Uh, but anyway, at least at least uh, Aaron Dondo can't uh, play dress up, put on his policeman's uniform with his badge and his gun, show up at work today. Been doing that for three months. Been showing up and and pretending to be the police chief for three months. All right, let's get to quickly a couple of great feuds. Ron DeSantis 
I'm telling you, it is going to be tough. It's going to be tough for me and lots of people to watch him step aside and mm. let Donald J. Trump become the nominee in uh, probably a year from now. Uh, it, it, he's too good. He's too good. He's, he's, he's tough. He's entertaining. He's smart. He's disciplined. He went full Trump yesterday, though. I have to say this, this guy, I, I, I love this. I absolutely love this because it does two things. It, 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 it kind of, uh, it, it puts the Fauci supporters on the defense and they start lying and say, he did a great job. I mean, you'll see it. I, I was watching some of the networks. I was watching MSNBC and they still saying a, a tireless civil servant helping to keep the country, get the country through a pandemic. The guy has lied about everything. We know that now. He lied about the origins of the pandemic. He lied about fi- funding the research. He lied about everything. He is a snake an absolute snake in the grass. Hell, he lied about shutting down. He says, I never shut down anything. No, you just recommended. You're a public health expert, and you said the best thing to do would be to shut down schools. So blue state governors and and, and, and mayors shut down schools, hurt kids. We went over it the other day. Kids tried to kill themselves. People died alone in nursing homes. People couldn't have funerals and wakes and visit their mothers and fathers and grandparents Kids lost out on everything, sports and school and interaction and, and, and social life, all because of you. You are the reason. You recommended that and you know it and all you do is lie. Well, that's how most people feel, if, at least if you're paying attention. And that's how Ron DeSantis feels. And he went all in going after the evil elf yesterday. Let's watch. And I'm just sick of seeing him. I know he says he's going to retire. Someone needs to grab that little elf and chuck him across the Potomac. <laughs> this, this upsets so many people. Uh, you know, all the Democrats and Fauci supporters. Oh, how can he be so mean? He's trying to be Trump. They're talking about a guy who's responsible for the deaths of millions. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll be nice to say hundreds of thousands. He... I mean, he did more damage to this country than any public official, any bureaucrat has ever done. That is indisputable. The lockdowns, the shutdowns, the the the, the forced vaccines. I mean, uh, we've gone through the whole list, and and he's the reason. He's responsible. He belongs in prison, and these people are upset that uh, DeSantis wants to chuck him across the Potomac. He didn't say in the Potomac. He said across the Potomac. He'll be dry. It's great. It's great. It's great. I love it. It's not quite as uh, entertaining as uh, our next little feud, which will be Alex Stein, crazy Alex Stein. We talked about this yesterday, going after Dave Portnoy. We, we mentioned yesterday Whitlock, who was just vicious going after Portnoy, calling him a fraud and saying he, he, if he didn't have money, he would have no friends. He'd be delivering pizza in Boston if he didn't have money. Uh, and Portnoy responded with a lame statement and said Whitlock was fat, which he is, but so what? Uh, that's the best you can do. The old Portnoy would have come out guns blazing. He would have gone full Minahan and just attacked everything about Whitlock. But here's here's what he's going to have to deal with now. He's going to deal with this lunatic, Alec Stein, whose thing, his thing is ambushing people, you know, ambushing politicians. He ambushed AOC and Dan Crenshaw he goes to city council meetings and does these great wild performances. He is utterly fearless and insane. And yesterday he went on Infowars with, 
I don't think it was Alex Jones, but no, I don't know he'll go anywhere. Is. He'll go anywhere. He'll do anything. We should get him on because he's crazy and he'll do anything. And he made it clear that he's not going to stop. He's going to keep coming after Portnoy. So at some point, when Portnoy's, you know, at Saratoga, or maybe he's on the Hamptons, you know, partying with uh, Meghan Markle and and uh, Billy Joel or something, maybe then Stein will catch up to him. But it's coming. Get ready, Prez, because this maniac has got you in his sights. Uh, let's listen to some of this nut. I challenge you to any sort of contest. It could be a pizza eating contest. It could be a degeneracy contest. I know it better not be a boxing match because you're four foot eleven. I'm six foot four. I will eat you for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I will separate you and meal prep you because I'm a pimp on a blimp eating steak and eating shrimp. So Dave, you better not mess with Primetime 99 Alex Time. You're taking L's, you're losing battles, but if you keep messing with me, you're gonna lose the war. And all I can say is this all you gotta do is say you're sorry say i'm sorry mr stein i made a mistake i shouldn't have messed with the beast from the texas northeast dallas texas i'm a little boy from connecticut and i've never really gotten the mud with a pig well let me tell you something until i get that apology i'm gonna be like a heat seeking missile dave i'm coming for that I don't know if you can say that on InfoWars, but I'm coming for it on the grind all the time. No holes bars. I don't care what you do. You can run. You can hide. You can invite me on your podcast and then uninvite me all day long. But you're a public figure. You're going to be out in the open. Just like I got AOC, my favorite big booty Latina. Just like I got Dan Crenshaw, I patch McCain. Just like I get all these politicians. There's going to be a time where you better have your head on a swivel, where you're going to be vulnerable. And guess what? I'm going to have my selfie stick and I'm going to hit record on the iPhone and I'm going to get you in 4k looking like a baby back bitch. Oh man. Okay. I've, I've followed uh, Dave Portnoy's career closely. Uh, there was a time where he would come back just as passionately and say, bring it on. <laughs> now I guess he's beholden to his uh, corporate uh, bosses and he admits he can't talk about gambling and, and, you know, can't allow that as against the contract or whatever, but doesn't he have to respond to that? And doesn't he have to respond to Whitlock calling him a fraud and a sellout? Doesn't he have to? That's what Portnoy used to do. That was his thing that he would always hit back twice as hard. I, uh, I, I mentioned that to Minahan. If, if they did that to him, Minahan would dedicate his life to destroying, you know, mm. Alex Stein or Jason Whitlock. And I mean, it would never come to, you know, blows in the street, but there would certainly be some entertaining uh, volleys back and forth. And Portnoy's just going to ignore that. Really? You're going to ignore Alex Stein when he says he's coming for you and calls you a baby back bitch. He's worth like half a billion dollars now. He's lost the hunger, I think. Yeah, I guess, like I said yesterday, I guess we all have our price and I would probably do the same thing if, if I, you know, for half a, half a billion dollars on the line. I would do you most, know, I would do literally most things for that much money. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how he made his name was being kind of like that, being a little on the edge and crazy and mm. vicious and going after people. And now he's just going to sit there and put out a statement. I'm sorry. That's lame. He's got to fire back. And I'm pretty sure Stein means it. He's been traveling the country ambushing people. He's going to show up at wherever Dave is at some 
you know, probably, I don't know, the, maybe at the Oscars, one of the pre-party at the Oscars or the Tonys, or maybe he'll be at the Kennedy Center for the symphony. Or, you know, he'll probably, I'll be at, uh, maybe he'll be on like uh, one of those yachts with the Kardashians or, uh, or, or you know, Biebs or, or Leonardo DiCaprio. Those are uh, Portnoy's people now. Maybe he'll find them with one of them. Or maybe he'll just be at a, at Saratoga with his people and uh, Stein will get him. It'll be great. It'll be wild. Then Portnoy will fight back. I'm quite certain. All right, we got to get to a couple more things quickly. We mentioned... Uh, we mentioned uh, yesterday that we saw, we introduced you to the worst politician in America, the worst political candidate in American history. I'd say it's probably still true because John Fetterman has brain damage. John Fetterman had a stroke. John Fetterman is a, is a, is a big dumb child who's running for Senate and is leading in the polls over Dr. Oz, even though he can't put a sentence together, can't put a coherent sentence together. He's already ducking uh, Oz doesn't want to debate because he can't debate. He's literally, in, and we are on the brink of electing to the Senate a man with brain damage who is just not with it anymore. Uh, I guess, you know, sort of like our president, but he's, he's a terrible, terrible, terrible candidate. And it says a lot about this country that he might be Senator, but I will just say the worst political strategy I ever heard was yesterday when after Charlie Crist former Republican turned Democrat, turned independent to Republican turned Democrat, just an absolute creep, uh, won the nomination to take on Ron DeSantis and, uh, and for governor of the state of Florida. And you're thinking it's a long shot, but you never know. Maybe DeSantis would have a stroke and then uh, Chris would uh, slide in there. But check out his political strategy on day one of the campaign against DeSantis. On day one, he says to half the state of Florida, I don't want your votes. Very interesting strategy. Go ahead. Those who support the governor should stay with him and vote for him. And I don't want your vote. If you have that hate in your heart, keep it there. I want the vote of the people of Florida who care about our state. Good Democrats, good independents, good Republicans. Right. Unify with I this I don't ticket. want your vote, right? <laughs> I don't want your vote. So... The guy who won the last gubernatorial, gubernatorial election, which means he got more votes than the Democrat. <laughs> yeah, yep. The only way the only way to win is to get more votes than he does. That means you got to get some of the people who voted for him. And he says, I don't want you. <laughs> I don't want you. Continue to vote for DeSantis. Just the dumbest. That has to be the dumbest thing ever said. Not by a Biden in, in political history. I don't want your vote. What? <laughs> Oh man, that's that's going to be good. DeSantis is going to absolutely trounce him, but uh, that would go up there. Let me do quickly do uh, Shay, and then we'll do Sly Stallone, the greatest divorce reveal of all time. And I'm going to tell you why. Today's a big day in musical history, and if I have time, I'm going to say something nice about Meghan Markle. But first, Shay Concrete, you know what they can do for you, you know, this summer. You got to do a summer home improvement project. I got one for you. New precast concrete steps, whether you're building a new home or you're remodeling an old one. Shea has great values on precast concrete steps with designs that will fit your home. There are many options available, including concrete, but you can also customize with beautiful stone or brick. A new staircase will dramatically upgrade the front entrance of your, your home, giving you a much better curb appeal. You'll be the envy of the neighborhood. They remove the old steps 
bring in new steps within hours. You got a whole new look and your house is looks better and is worth more. This isn't just an, uh, this isn't an expense. This is an investment, an upgrade in your home with one phone call. Shea will deliver a turnkey installation experience and a few hours. You'll have a brand new front entrance and you will love it. You can learn more about Shea's precast concrete steps at SheaConcrete.com. Also at SheaConcrete.com, you got to look for a job, a good one. Shea is hiring. They're always hiring. The business is good. It is booming. Right now, they have between 15 and 20 open positions. These are career opportunities for all different types of people with all different types of skill sets. All you got to do is pass a drug test. All right, there was a rumor the other day that Sly Stallone was uh, divorcing his wife, Jennifer Flavin, I believe it is. Uh, after just Still a smoke show. They've been married mm-hmm. 25 years. And the rumor emanated from this, uh, this thing he did. He had a tattoo. I never realized Sly had so many tats. I suppose I should have assumed, but uh, Sly's 75 years old, covered with tats, and he had a big tattoo of Jennifer Flavin on his, his wife on his arm. He had it. He didn't have it removed. He had it reconfigured and he changed the tattoo from his wife to his movie dog. That's his wife on the left. On the right is Butkus. <laughs> Butkus was the big dog, the big dumb dog that was in Rocky. You know, Butkus, he got it from uh, Adrian at the pet store and he ran with Butkus, which was a great uh, just a great name for a dog. Naming a dog after Dick Buckus is classic, even though he was in Philadelphia and he named it after a Chicago bear. But anyway, there it is. He had a tattoo guy somehow change Jennifer Flavin's beautiful face to a dog. <laughs> and then if this broke and then immediately, I think it was just like his publicist or someone said, oh no, they've been happily married. Uh, he didn't say anything, but uh, like a day later, they announced they're getting divorced and she is seen in public without a wedding ring. So this was just the greatest divorce reveal of all time. Look at me. I had my wife there. Now I have my movie, not his real dog. I mean, that dog would have to be 50 years old. If he was, if he was still around his TV, uh, his movie dog. Great, great move by Sly Stallone. And I don't know. I think they'll both be okay. I think they'll both bounce back. Okay. But, so we married three times, but this one lasted a while, I have to say. Yeah. All right, quickly, quickly, quickly. Bill de Blasio is going to Harvard. I've said this for years. Harvard's a joke. The dumbest people go there. The worst people work there. I mean, it just, just makes perfect sense. Not only is uh, Lawrence Tribe thanking Biden for all the Harvard law grads, get a little 10 grand from the taxpayers, but Harvard announces they're hiring Bill de Blasio, the worst mayor in American history, who oversaw the worst uh, reaction uh, response to COVID in the country, one of the worst, and he's going to lecture on public health. <laughs> public health for a guy who just botched it in every step of the way. But typical Harvard. And uh, Meghan Markle, I hate her. You know, obviously, she's, she's hateable. And uh, her husband, Prince, whichever. Harry. Which one is it? Harry. Harry and Megan. Uh, by the way, your assignment for the week uh, for, for tomorrow. I want you to get some sound from Megan Markle's podcast. Apparently, it's pretty bad. Mm. Spotify gave her like $10 million through a podcast and talk about herself. But I have to say something nice. They did a beautiful thing, Megan and Harry. They adopted one of the beagles that escaped from Dr. Mengele. I mean, Dr. Fauci. 
uh, before Fauci could torture and kill the beagles, the 4,000 beagles were freed from a Virginia beagle mill and they were put up for adoption. And not only did they adopt the beagle, they adopted a seven-year-old beagle. That's pretty impressive. I mean, probably have maids and servants will take care of it, but I don't care. Good for you, Megan. Good for you. But uh, right, we got to go. Today, 47 years ago today, the greatest album in rock and roll history came out. That would be Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen, who I understand is a crazy liberal and uh, is really annoying in his old, old age. But back in the day, 47 years ago, he put out the greatest album ever made. A year later, same day, Boston put out their album, Boston. So on this day, two of the best, two of the top 10 albums ever made came out on this day. So happy verse, happy birthday to uh, happy anniversary to Bruce and born to run without question, the best album ever made. And we'll leave it there. Oh, did I miss anything? Ironhead? I had, my list is long. You did not. Uh, I'm sure I did, but, uh, that's okay. We can get to it. That's me just tomorrow, trying to tomorrow. get you uh, done at a time that doesn't get you angry. Uh, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. Tomorrow, <laughs> if you want to join us, go to locals. Go to callahan.locals.com. You can join us every Friday with our locals community. Ironhead's going to get some sound from Meghan Markle's podcast. Man, what a tease. I can't imagine people don't want to hear that. Uh, but uh, um, I think they named the Beagle Mama Mia, some stupid name, but she'll probably want to touch the thing. But Send it back. At That's least it's terrible. alive. At least it's alive. PETA, by the way, put out a statement uh, uh, celebrating the end of Fauci's reign of terror. PETA, as usual, I stand with PETA. I'm enjoying <laughs> the end yeah. of Fauci, Fauci's yeah. reign of terror. But uh, we'll leave it there for today. Thanks to everybody. Look at all these comments. Did you put any up on the board? Did you, oh, you yeah. find a way? I don't want to. Uh, lots of people love the, the hairy legs. They're with you. They, we went over the best lies in Biden's career. I'm going to say hairy legs beats out South Africa and all the other ones. I think, I think you're you win. Your choice wins the dumbest, craziest, stupidest lie in Joe Biden's storied career as a abject, uh, uh, insane, pathological liar. But We'll wait. Today, there'll probably be a new one, and we will be there for it. For now, that will do it. Thanks, Ironhead. I'm Jerry Callahan. This is The Callahan Show, and we will see you tomorrow. Here tonight, shaking my head and thinking something ain't right. Is it just me? Am I losing my mind? Am I standing on the edge of the end of time? Am I the only one? Tell me. Like the show? Leave a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. Well, the tide is turning in Massachusetts after years of watching Democrats raise taxes, hinder local businesses, silence the voices of parents, and disrespect the police. The people have had enough. Go to MassGOP.org to learn more, get involved, or make a contribution.